Hi, everybody. This is Kara Fitzgerald. New Frontiers in Functional Medicine is here every month, bringing you the best minds in functional medicine. And we would not be able to do this over the years without the generous contributions from our sponsors. Biotics Research. For four, over 40 years, the foundations of biotics research has been innovation and quality. Their goals remain unchanged. Innovative ideas, carefully researched concepts, and product development with advanced analytical and manufacturing techniques. Biotics nutritional products are of superior quality and effectiveness and available exclusively to healthcare professionals. Visit them at bioticsresearch.com. Integrative Therapeutics is focused on inspiring a better lifestyle through better health by providing meticulously formulated nutritional supplements and valuable resources. Integrative Therapeutics promises to enrich your patients and embolden your practice. Welcome to your Integrative Therapeutics. Find them at integrativepro.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to New Frontiers in Functional Medicine, where we are interviewing the best minds in functional medicine. And of course, today is no exception. I am excited to introduce to you and actually get to know myself, Dr. Stephen Sidoroff. His work looks amazingly interesting. And I'm actually, Dr. Sidoroff, I'm really excited to dive in. But before we go, let me just tell you about him. He is an internationally recognized psychologist, executive and medical consultant, and expert in resilience, optimal performance, addiction, neurofeedback, leadership, and mental health. He has published, he has published pioneering research in these fields for years. Uh, he's a professor at UCLA in the Department of Psychiatry and Biobehavioral Sciences and Department of Rheumatology and director of the Wallenberg Institute of Ethics. He was the founder and former clinical director of the Stress Strategies Program of UCLA Santa Monica Hospital and former clinical director of Moonview Treatment and Optimal Performance Center. His research explores the impact of his model of resilience on longevity. His recent book, The Path, Mastering the Nine Pillars of Resilience and Success, has been hailed as a true Bible for living in balance and spirituality. His new book, The Resilience Response, will be published in 2023. Participants of Dr. Sidoroff's workshops have said that the experience was life-changing. Dr. Sidoroff, welcome to New Frontiers. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, likewise. You know, you've published quite a bit and over many years and in a variety of areas. And I, and I, I want to drill down into resilience and longevity, you know, and, and kind of focus there, but give us a tour, you know, of your background and what you've been doing over the years. Certainly happy to do that. Well, you know, it's interesting. I started out in brain research and I was really looking for where in the brain learning and memory takes place and what are the mechanisms and the, of the, phys, uh, the psychophysiological mechanisms of those processes. And very early on, I realized, well, I can't ask my subjects, because I was working on animals, I can't ask my subjects what they're experiencing, what they're feeling. So mm. I shifted into um, uh, more clinical work, but always interested in the same questions. Um, I started a, a postdoctoral fellowship. This is many years ago. It's what got me to UCLA back in the 70s uh, in addiction research, looking at conditioned aspects of addiction. And ultimately, uh, in my clinical work, 
I wanted to, I, to figure what's most important. What is it that has the greatest impact on people? And I very quickly realized it was stress. Stress, mm. you know, people can be doing really well in their lives until the stress builds up. And then their usual coping abilities start to break down. If they have tendencies toward anxiety, depression, those explode. Uh, and that's not only true for individuals, but it's also true for couples. Couples can do well until the stress builds up and then um, they sort of, uh, the relationship deteriorates because they don't have their own reserves. They don't have mm. something within themselves to lean upon. So I quickly started doing work in, in stress. And this was very interesting, Cara, because um, Everybody is crying out about stress. And so I do these workshops and I did executive workshops uh, on stress and people would come up to me and say, this is great. I'm, the information you're giving me is just so um, important right now in my life. And then I would follow up a few months later and almost none of the people that I've interviewed were actually following, following through with, with what they learned in my, in my programs. And, and that got me into looking at people's resistance to dealing with stress. That's an awesome. So I see, we see that in clinical practice. I mean, time and again, stress is the final frontier. So somebody, mm -hmm. you know, I, I practice functional medicine and people will come to us with, you know, whatever chronic ailment that they yes. have they have and stress is always a component yes but they want to do everything everything else before uh the stress piece and if they're still not better after we've dialed in all of it they may be willing to turn their <laughs> attention towards stress and i just want to say one other thing and then I, I completely want to hear what you're saying but i conducted a study looking at um changes to biological age as measured by DNA methylation using a diet and lifestyle intervention. And the clock that we use, the DNA methylation clock that we used, a full 25% of it, looking at specific, you know, DNA methylation sites, is they're, 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 they're glucocorticoid response elements. Mm -hmm. I mean, 25% of this aging clock is stimulated by stress. I mean, that was mind blowing to me. So I want to stop and just here like why are we so resistant like what did you do and just <laughs> any thoughts well that that's beautiful what what you came up with and by the way i've read your book it's great oh thank you thank yes you. um yes yeah, so okay so looking at resistance and there are many many reasons one being that stress is not just bad stress is very good it, it serves us in many different ways. Right. It prepares us for, for performing. It prepares us to take action. Um, but here's an interesting thing, Kara, is that if you look at all of your successes in your life, I guarantee at least 90% of them were, were uh, done in the midst of stress. Yeah. If it's right. any kind of performance that you're doing that, that gives you notoriety, et cetera, decisions, all of these are accompanied by stress. And I was fortunate when I was um, a professor at uh, McGill University in Montreal to become friends with Donald Hebb, one of the founders of the whole field of neuroscience. And his his comment which rings true today and which we repeat today is neurons that fire together wire together and so we've associated 
our successes with stress. And this is part of the reason why we have resistance. Mm. The other part has to do with our childhood, lessons of childhood, which is a whole other, other, other story. And I've written about this, what I refer to as our primitive gestalt patterns, which really get in our way. They, we adapt to our childhood environment and then our adaptation to, to a great degree freezes to that childhood environment, making us less capable of adapting as adults. And this is another piece of it. And so how I dealt with it was I shifted to a model of resilience. Because unlike stress, resilience is there's just one direction. Stress, there's good and there's bad. Resilience is all good. And so I worked to develop a, a model, a, a very comprehensive model of resilience, which is much more comprehensive than any other model of resilience out there, I believe, because you could be resilient in terms of the common notion of resilience. I'm, I'm able to bounce back. Um, but if you haven't addressed the woundings, the emotional woundings of childhood, you're going to keep putting yourself into stressful situations unnecessarily. And that makes, in my, in my model, makes you less resilient. So it's a broad model that takes into account childhood, uh, lessons of childhood, et cetera. And then I developed from this my nine pillars of resilience. And I'm glad you mentioned the connection between, say, cortisol and, and what you've been looking at. Um, I took my own biological age mm -hmm. um, uh, recently. And so I live my life based on my model of resilience uh, because I ultimately, I think resilience is about optimal functioning on yeah. many levels. So my chronological age is 75. My biological age came out as 55. Nice. <laughs> That's great. So, and I attribute, thank you. And I attribute it to being resilient based on that model. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, it makes sense to me. You know, I'm a functional medicine doc, you know, naturopathic physician by training. And when we designed our program, you know, it's very nutrition centric. We do right. obviously lifestyle is a big piece of it. Um, but if you had asked me a little while ago, I would have said nutrition is where it's at. Mm -hmm. um, and I think all of these things are really, you can't tease them apart, but right. I have an appreciation of stress and wonder if the toxic stress uh, isn't a bigger driver, you know, than even mm -hmm. nutrition on, on the aging journey. Yeah, I think those two are competing for the most important. <laughs> yeah. And it's an interface between the two of them. Yes. It, it's certainly, my research in, it has certainly created, it, um, I mean, I've always had a good appreciation for it, but it's crystallizing, I think, right. as I've been doing this, this epigenetic work. That's great. That's great. Talk to me, like, what, so what are the nine pillars? All right, so they are in three different areas. The first area is relationship. So there's relationship with yourself, relationship with others, and relationship with something greater, which could be spirituality, purpose, and meaning in life that connects you to the larger community. The next three are organismic balance and mastery. And within that, there's 
physical balance and mastery, mental cognitive balance and mastery, and emotional balance and mastery. And then the last three have to do with how we engage with the world. And that's presence, flexibility. And my ninth pillar is what is what I call power, which I define as the ability to get things done. And this covers everything that is important in terms of overall resilience from number one, your relationship to yourself. And this is where a lot of people have difficulties because they are super critical of themselves. They're hard on themselves. All of this interferes with resilience. I, I have a couple of questions here for that. Like, so just going back to that, the executives that didn't want to, that, that completely resonated with the stress story <laughs> right. and, and, and left it at the door. <laughs> how do you, how, like, how did you get them? How did you, so, so you transformed it into a conversation on resilience and, and, and did you bring it back to these people and find that they were able to um, use it in a different way? And it's sort of, it's sort of like address stress through the, through the eyes of resilience. Yeah. I, they get it as I reframed it this way, they yeah. get it, they get it better. It doesn't mean there still isn't a struggle, but they're more willing to engage in the struggle. So they realize that they could be super critical on themselves. They realize that a lot of what drives them is the judgments of others. Um, but at least they're willing to tackle these as as they recognize they are issues that are getting in their way. And might these guys, some of these individuals, they're showing up maybe perhaps with health conditions as well that may be motivating them to take another look here. They're all, they're all showing up with one deficit or another that's motivating them. It could be uh, a relationship where um, it's it, it, that's not working. A relationship where their partner is is always upset with them. It could be that they can't fall asleep at night. Mm. Uh, it can be that they're getting too many tension headaches, or it could be that they're just going as fast as they can and they're still unhappy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you like so so so? How do you use these nine pillars? I mean, do do, do you do you adopt what you're called to at a time, or is there a structure that you recommend people move through? I mean, certainly taking these all on at once in a day could be overwhelming to the uninitiated. Like, how would you, how do you, how do you use your, your program? Yeah, well, those are good questions, Kara, um, because actually uh, one of the things that happens with people is they feel overwhelmed. They feel like there's so much that I need to deal with, need to do. And that's why in my, in my current book, uh, The Path, I define the path as a mechanism for people to not be overwhelmed. So what happens with most people is they start doing something that's helpful to them, mm-hmm. but then they look to the left and they look to the right and they say, oh, but I got to do this. Oh, I got to yeah. do that. And there's so many things that that I need to do to, to be successful here. And the notion with, with being on the path is that once you take a step, if you're engaged in taking a step that's good for you based on my model, that's as, that's as good as it gets. You can't mm. do anything more. And so you want to feel good about yourself that I'm on the path. 
Hey there, listeners. It's your host, Dr. Kara Fitzgerald. I have a question for you. How much time do you spend ordering functional lab tests for your patients? I bet it's a lot. Ordering from multiple lab companies for hundreds of patients can quickly turn into hours of admin time. But there's a new way to order lab tests I'm excited to share with you. Rupa Health is a tool that lets you order from over 30 specialty labs in a single portal. You can order all the tests you normally do from companies like Dutch, Vibrant, Genova, and Great Plains, and so many more. Imagine you're ordering a hormone panel for a patient that includes tests from three different labs. You have to log onto three different websites, place separate orders, come back weeks later to check on tracking numbers, download results, et cetera, et cetera. Rupa eliminates all of that by having all ordering, tracking results in a single place, and they also order, handle invoicing, uh, tracking shipments, automated follow-ups, personalized instructions for completing tests, and much more. The best part about Rupa is that it is free for you. Go to rupahealth.com, that's R-U-P-A health.com, and join a live demo or sign up to see how it works. Now let's get back to today's show. And after I do what I'm doing now, I'll get to the next thing. And so it's learning to be accepting of our limitations as well, oh, as, as, well as anything else. That's amazing. So maybe you start with a little bit of a, meditation practice or going to bed right. a little earlier or something like, I mean, what, what would it look like? Well, I start with, I, I've created a 40 item questionnaire, which is an assessment. And when they, they can self-score these 40 items and they get their resilience profile, mm. they see which of these nine pillars are their strengths and which of the nine need further development, further work. And so it tells them where the, for them, the beginning needs to be. But usually the two places where I begin, one is pers a person's relationship with themselves, because that is key. Most people are undermining themselves. So that's number one. And to begin to recognize their old pattern that's doing that, and how it's not serving them. And that's a real key. And then the other is beginning some kind of relaxation, meditation. One of the things I do a lot of is biofeedback. So it's giving them, beginning to give them a tool that they can begin practicing because what everybody has in common around this issue is that they're sympathetic branch of their nervous system is is working overtime and their parasympathetic the the recovery branch that mm -hmm. needs to balance that out is not being turned on enough mm -hmm. so that it's reversing that imbalance that goes along with looking at one's relationship with themselves so everybody's going to want this questionnaire <laughs> <laughs> so i'm it? Okay, so I am very happy to, if anybody wants to email me, I'm happy to, it, it, they can purchase it on my, on my website. Okay. But anybody that's in your audience that would like a, a free copy, if they send me an email, I'm happy to send them a free copy of my resilience assessment profile, which also identifies and explains each of these nine pillars, as well as presents the questionnaire. Well, I really want it. 
we and if it's okay with you if it's okay for us to actually put your email in our show notes um, yes. we will do that okay awesome and we'll link to dr sitteroff's website it's a beautiful website there's Thank so much you. content on it and your research going back into the early 80s i was i was actually really i was really quite riveted by uh, the content on your site. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You know, um, I, I have a couple questions. Well, I have a comment and then a question. So again, just kind of going back to my own research, because there's some, you know, we have a little bit of overlapping, our Venn diagrams overlap. Yes. Um, <laughs> one of the things, you, we, so we're looking at resilience, um, where we, where you can measure stress in DNA methylation, like epigenetic changes. You can see the heritability of PTSD. It changes. You know, you can look at um, trauma, like you can look at Holocaust survivors and subsequent generations and see changes to um, uh, genes associated, with, you know, glucocorticoid associated genes, genes associated with inflammation, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. It influences epigenetic expression. Yes. A, a criticism of this area of research is that we're not studying resilience. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, I would just think of like logotherapy, like some of the people that came through a trauma like the Holocaust and mm -hmm. survived and thrived. Right. And right. I mean, what does that look like on the epigenome? So there's, so I appreciate my point, like that you're looking at resilience and, and, and coming from that angle as, as opposed to the stress angle or the, the lack, you know, like we get yes. really obsessed with studying the pathology and argue, really, in my opinion, far more important is studying resilience. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. You know, one of the concepts that I share with people that I work with is this notion that if you look at all of life's experience, and I'm, right now I have my hands separated one above the other, to indicate sort of like a continuum um, of all life's experience. And then midway in between my two hands is baseline. Midway between my two hands is, is zero point where we, you know. And what I find is so many people live below the line. Mm. And when I say live below the line, that means that their focus is looking down, looking below. Their goal each day is, did I avoid a problem? Did I avoid disaster? Is everything going to be okay? Um, they're just trying to get up to baseline. And so yeah. one of the things I, I talk about with the people I work with is, hey, it's time to start looking above the line. It's time to start thinking about positive concepts of enjoyment, enjoying life, not just trying to get by, not just trying to hang on, but to but to, to thrive, not just to survive. And the issues with epigenetics is that, and this is where I get into our childhood patterns that sort of brand our brain, so to speak, mm -hmm. to function the way that we are taught in our childhood. And that's something that is very difficult to do, but must happen, which is to break away from that by establishing a new grounding and a new baseline for yourself. Well, so how do you do that? Well, uh, in my work, it's working through these nine pillars okay. of resilience. In my work, it's I refer to it as paying attention to, to identifying one's pattern. 
So a lot of people have the pattern in which they are looking to see what they did wrong rather than what they did right. They are expecting negative instead of expecting positive. They don't trust people instead of starting out with, at the very least, a neutral perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, People don't give themselves enough psychological space in which to allow things to emerge, they come in with their bias too quickly. And so I encourage people, I teach people to stalk their pattern, Interesting. to identify on a daily basis. Yeah. When, and the thing is that the spokesperson for that pattern is the voice we listen to 24-7. And that's why... It's so powerful. We don't. How do you, how do you stalk it? I mean, do you journal? Like, do you give guide points in 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 your book on how to how to pay attention to that voice that's talking yeah, so, all the time? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because uh, for many people, I'll say, listen, you know that that voice is is constantly in your ear, so yeah. it's easy to stalk it because. <laughs> At any moment, it's happening. Right. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a serious, it's a serious thing because the old pattern, you know, uh, one of my um, trainings is in Gestalt therapy, uh, Gestalt meaning whole, complete. And one of the founders, Fritz Perls, said, you know, when you're a child, you swallow everything yeah. whole. Yeah. You swallow it whole. Right. Now, as an adult, the goal is to bring it up and chew on it. And if it tastes good, okay, now you swallow it. But if it doesn't taste good, meaning uh, an an idea, a way of living that doesn't really work, you spit it out. And that's the process people need to engage in is to recognize when they're being hard on themselves, recognize when they are retreating from the contact boundary because they're afraid of what might happen. Now, if I can add one other piece here, Mm -hmm. and that's that it's only half the job to say what not to do, what the way you shouldn't be doing it. You have to have the alternative. You have to have a place to move to, a new place to ground yourself. And so for me in my work, and this is a key part of the work I do is, I encourage the development of a healthy internal voice, a healthy internal parent. And that's a parent that comes from a place of love, compassion, acceptance, support, and care. Mm. That's, yeah, that's, that's very nice. Um, can, I, can I just ask you something or did you have a thought? No, no, no. Okay. It sounds like, so in, initially, as you were talking about this exploration, this exploration of the voice, the always talking voice that tends to be, you know, have come from this place of judgment, et cetera, but it's born out of our childhood experiences. It sounds like you are addressing it in, in its present phenomena, like how it shows up in our day-to-day life, but you're also now suggesting that there's a place, or are you suggesting that there's a place for sort of going back in in time and looking at childhood experiences. So are, do we want to address it for in the here and now and the patterns that it's presenting in, in the here and now, or do we need to link it back to childhood experience? Well, I always start with the present. What's going on in the present? 
And the thing is that if you haven't fully addressed your childhood wounding, it will show up in the present. So uh, it, it does require kind of making the connection and it does require um, sort of finishing unfinished emotional business, so to speak, uh, which may mean bringing up feelings toward a parent that could be dead at this point. But those feelings are still inside. The feelings, you know, the feelings don't go away on their own. They have to be addressed. So that is part of the process. It begins in the present moment with how it's impacting a person now, because that's the reason why you need to deal with it. But it originates because we're still carrying those wounds. We haven't resolved them. We haven't worked through them. The individual who follows your nine pillars, um, like such as, you know, it's, I, I, you, I think you describe yourself as doing that. Um, you know, going back to these executives, not wanting to release stress because of the positives. I mean, what does some, what does this balanced, resilient individual do? Are they capable? They're still out in the world doing big things. I would imagine, arguably, I, I don't know, speak to what this looks like to the stressed out executive who's afraid to let go of yeah. stress. Sure, sure. So I, you know, one of the things that I'm doing right now is I have a, in a very creative, intensive uh, program for executives. I call it the path. And executives come to me here from all over the world, and they will do a four-day program, a five-day program, or even a longer program. And in that program, I bring together, uh, I have a team of about 20, 30 professionals who are the tops in their field. And I bring together usually about 10 to 12 of them to work with the individual. And so that's the struggle that they go through is to find their true self and to have the courage mm. to, to, to come from that true self, even though some people may make judgments about them. And so part of the work is helping them get to a place where they can handle the judgments mm. and they're okay with those judgments. I'm coming from my truth. I can handle that. And it's, you know, it's, it's work. <laughs> it, it involves healing. It involves developing the courage to do that. It involves the willingness to, to, to figure out how to be your own person separate from all of your training has have some lives been radically transformed in this journey and and by the way in show notes we'll we'll link to any any information or in this arena or other programs that you're offering i'd love to link to i know people are interested but do you see some pretty extraordinary transformations do people leave careers or maybe they do better in their careers or like i'm, I'm just curious. i we've had amazing success we've had um, <laughs> we've had executives that go out and take a three-month sabbatical. Good, yeah, good for them. But, right. but, but, but they come back more committed mm. to their larger goals. And the interesting thing, Kara, is that all of them realize that part of their larger goals is giving back. So right. it's, it's been amazingly successful um, with tremendous results. And people have been impacted and then have gone out and impacted the world from, from that 
at least partly, I think at least partly from the work they've done with me. It's just, it's really extraordinary. Gosh. Um, I, so this makes me think about a couple of things. I, I, have you thought about, do you incorporate wearables? I mean, I know you have a background in, in biofeedback and I'm just wondering, do you, like I have an aura ring on and I see my heart rate variability, you know, in the gutter sometimes when I'm, when I'm burning the candle at both ends. I, it, it, right. seems, it seems like it's becoming more reliable or I don't have any deep sleep. I'm curious mm. about wearables. I'm also curious if you thought about if you've thought about using um, any hallucinogens in this work or what your thoughts are on it. Mm -hmm. Well, um, that's a whole other topic. I know it is. I know. <laughs> it popped into my head and I thought, you know, I'm just yeah. gonna ask. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a it's a whole other topic. Um, you know, I've consulted with people in the field and um, I think it's a it's a very useful approach that has its place definitely. It has its place definitely. Um, what was the other part of your question? So, yeah, just back. So that was a definite hard right turn for a moment. We'll veer back. Where are <laughs> <laughs> um, wearable, wearable. Yes. Are you? Yes. Do you use them? Recommend them? What are your thoughts? So I've used them. I recommend them. Um, my good friend is the uh, the CEO of a of a biofeedback company called Thought Technology. So I've partnered with them in some things. I'm in the process of creating a resilience app, oh, and nice. when that comes out, I will have options for wearables or at least biofeedback that people can do in conjunction with the app. And I think that, you know, one of the keys in all of this is awareness, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, what's the most important aspect of wearables is, is raising your awareness yes. of what's going on in your body. And so anytime you do that, it's, it's helpful. Most of the time people will are cut off at the neck and do not connect with what's going on in their body. Anything we can do to help people connect with their body and pay attention to the messages that the body is giving us, that's a, that's a win. That's a huge win. When do you expect your app to be available? I'm hoping that there'll be a beta version in the next few months. Oh, okay. Fabulous. Yeah. yeah tools for to really put intention around resilience it's just so important yes. and i love the fact that you'll you know marry it to biofeedback it's just it just seems really cool well definitely mm -hmm. let me know when it's when it's out i would i would love to see it so not that we i, I just want to circle back i mean i think we're addressing this answer but i just i, I want to hear what you have to say on why why ultimately why do we need to care about being resilient well um I'm, I define resilient as the optimal way to be in the world. And what that means is, for example, we all are consumers of energy. And I mean, I mean the personal energy uh, that, that we um, produce in our bodies and then use to do whatever it is we're doing. Um, there is a most efficient way of using your energy. And I will suggest that when you use your personal energy in the most efficient way, 
-hmm. That's one of the keys to slowing the aging process. Yeah. And so, um, for example, people will will get overstressed in situations will will mobilize more than they really have to using more energy than they really have to people when they're anticipating danger your body your body doesn't say well there isn't any real danger you're if you're anticipating your body mobilizes that uses your energy and it's wasted energy and i will suggest that that wasted energy and this research goes back 60 70 years that wasted energy creates excess wear and tear on your body. And this leads to, you know, what I've referred to as autonomic dysregulation syndrome, which is basically you're using wasting energy, but it's, it's causing uh, an impact on the organs of your body. It has an impact on inflammation. It has an impact on all the keys to that speed up the aging process. So it all ties together. And this is one of the reasons I'm interested in resilience is because I think it has a true, a huge impact on longevity. And I, I put it to the test with my own, looking at my own biological age, Mm -hmm. but I, my next step is I'm already um, in conversations with a couple of the companies that um, look at bio uh, your biological age mm-hmm. uh, through methylation and things like that, so that we can get a larger sample that are all going to get my resilience questionnaire. And we will also have their biological age. And we'll look to see if there's a correlation between people who score high on my resilience questionnaire actually have the slowest aging. And yeah. I think we'll get a positive result but we want to do the research on that. That's so cool. Oh my goodness. Yes. I would love to be in the loop on that. That's just really really cool. You're in it. (laughs) That 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 would just be awesome. Exciting news. The Younger You companion book, Better Broths and Healing Tonics will be out this November. I'm Jill Shepard Davenport, a board certified nutrition specialist. And along with Dr. Kara Fitzgerald, crafted a resource of broths, tonics, infusions, even mains, sides, and desserts, packed with the epinutrients you've come to know and love. If you pre-order, there are loads of exclusive access goodies we'll be sending your way. And this is a fit for you, regardless of your dietary approach, your age, health history, or dietary preferences. We've got you covered. Order today at your local bookstore or on Amazon. And again, you know, the, 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 the solution is, so I love the idea of resiliency as being about using our energy efficiently. I mean, mm-hmm. that could be, that's appealing to anyone. Right. <laughs> and, right. and, and it makes so much sense how we can burn through just stacks of energy being anxious about, you know, really nothing. It's a habit. Right. And I guess this is yes. a habit that comes from, you know, childhood. There's some yes. childhood phenomena. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yes. Um, yes. So, so autonomic dysregulation syndrome and, you know, burning through our energy, the solution here again is using your nine pillars, using the questionnaire, finding the program that's right for you and and embarking on that. Would you say that's true? Yes, it is true. It is true. It's, um, and you know, what I find happen is true for most people is, is that um, 
they go into the, the stress mode, the fight or flight mode, too frequently, too intensely, and for too long a duration. And, and we engage in stressful behavior and we forget or don't even realize we have to turn off that stress response. We just keep it going. So mm -hmm. uh, all of these lead to this imbalance between the branches of our nervous system. So all of my nine pillars funnel into restoring that balance. You've looked at dementia through this lens. Can you talk about can you talk about that? Um, and actually, you were you published recently on on chemo brain. Um, right. But just can you can you can you speak about dementia and then you know just cognitive functioning in general? And if you want to if you want to mention your study on on yes, sure, chemo. sure. So one of the things that I've uh, helped to pioneer is neurofeedback. Uh, neurofeedback is a type of biofeedback in which uh, brainwave patterns are monitored and the information is fed back to an individual on a computer display showing moment by moment when they're moving into an optimal pattern or when they're moving out of the optimal pattern. And the brain literally uses this information to self-correct. Hmm. Neurofeedback is very powerful. Uh, and it's been shown to be effective in a lot of different ways. I, uh, about 15 years ago, we less about 15 years ago, we published a controlled study in which we went into a drug treatment center with it and used a neurofeedback protocol to uh, uh, with the addicts in the treatment center with tremendous results. Wow. Um, uh, significantly greater abstinence rates one and two years later. Wow. Um, and other improved cognitive functioning. Hmm. And as a result of that, and what a lot of other people are doing in, in this field, re more recently, we looked at chemo brain, which is, um, which are cognitive deficits, as well as other symptoms that follow uh, heavy doses of chemotherapy, um, and so we, we worked with a group of breast cancer survivors who had chemo brain and we did a 18 session train neurofeedback training with them and got significant improvements in performance, behavior, uh, sleep, um, and the normalization. We found that people that had chemotherapy had huge deficits in brainwave activity. They had the slowest brainwaves, which are referred to as delta, one to four cycles per second. These are the brainwaves that are predominant during sleep. Hmm. And we found that many of these uh, subjects had more than two standard deviations, elevated delta frequencies across the brain. So their brains were operating tremendously slowly. Mm -hmm. And that explained a lot of the cognitive deficits. So we use the neurofeedback to improve that. And there are people right now, and I've used it with individual clients and a, a lot of people doing research now on using neurofeedback to maintain cognitive um, performance into old age. Do they know the mechanism? Did you guys figure out the mechanism that causes the delta delta brain and delta phenomena in, in chemo brain? It's um, it's damage. 
It is. It's brain, yeah. it's brain damage, just like it's just response. Closed head injuries, you see excess slow wave, mm -hmm. and other other injury damage, um, and conditions. You see that. Okay. Okay. So yeah. it's like a, it's an inf it's it, there's probably profound inflammation happening, and yeah, things like that. Yeah. Huh. How many sessions did you need to do in with the addicts to achieve those impressive outcomes? We did um, so over five days. We did. Um, we did, let's see, we did um, 20, 20 sessions over two weeks. So they got two sessions a day. Um, and then after, and that was one type of neurofeedback that was designed to improve cognitive functioning, improve presence, improve attention. And then once we were achieved that, we did an additional 10 sessions of what's called alpha-theta neurofeedback. And this has a very different function. This takes people into a very, very deep, deep state in which memories can come up, but they come up while the person is very, very calm, mm. giving, giving the possibility of taking... The, one of the ways we've described this is that you're taking memories. So trauma memories, we, we can say, are memories that are sitting on the desktop. They've yeah. not been fully integrated into the brain. They, they, and that's why they're so readily available and tr get triggered. And so the alpha-theta neurofeedback seems to take those memories and, and stores them more into long-term memories. So they are it, it, it helps reduce the level of trauma. So we did a, a, what we called a theta-beta protocol to start off with for attention, presence, focus. And then we followed with the alpha-theta, which helps people bring up and begin to address uh, trauma experience. This is just so interesting. Um, it seems like Neurofeedback could be a smart uh, part of the the pillars, or the at least to jumpstart the pillars for perhaps certain individuals. Like it makes it, is it? Can we? How do we access neurofeedback? Are we? It, will will we ever have neurofeedback available in wearables? I mean, just how do we how do we get these impressive results? Right. Well, um, there's no free lunch. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> and and the the, the payment for biofeedback, neurofeedback is that you have to do the training as opposed to just taking a pill to um, with an SSRI or other, other medication to help anxiety and depression. Here you are retraining the brain, you're retraining the, your neurophysiology or your psychophysiology. So to retrain, it requires sessions. We did in the in the chemo brain study, we did 18 sessions, mm -hmm. but my recommendation as in that publication is that we probably, when we do a, um, the, next, the next study, we'd probably do say 25 to 30 sessions. And so um, that's possible. Right now, there are companies trying to get um, equipment out that people can use on their own, but I'm not sure of their viability. I'm not sure of their accuracy. I'm not mm -hmm. sure how well someone can use that without 
working with a professional who knows about neurofeedback. Right, right. So not not ready for getting close, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just very cool and um, you know impressive results. Yeah. So. What about like, you know, looking at your own experience and, um, you know, your research over the years and your program, like uh, relationships and, Mm -hmm. and long and long lives, like where are they on the continuum? Well, so (laughs) in my nine pillars, it's hard for me to weigh one more than the other sure, they're all sure. they're all my babies yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> but but i but i do identify one and four one being relationship with yourself mm-hmm. and four being uh physiological uh physical balance and mastery but um none of that can they all require pillars two and three relationship with others and relationship with something greater relationships are so so very important so very important so you know if you have a hard day at work and you're stressed and you come home and you have more stress because there's there's uh issues in your relationships whether it's with your partner or with your children or with your parents um you come home because you want succor. You come home because you want to feel home. You want to feel like you are home. You want to feel like you're safe. You could let down your guard because those are required in order to have recovery. And if you come home and there's more stress, you're on the one hand, you're not giving yourself the opportunity to recover and you're adding to your stress. So it's so important to have relationships where you're with a person who you know accepts you and and you could let down your guard because that's when recovery happens. And that's why I refer to relationships as the opportunity for emotional nourishment. Mm -hmm. And emotional nourishment is a piece of resilience and recovery. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I found this cool study that you published on your on your site using rhythmic drumming <laughs> yes <laughs> are you using that still and can you talk about it i mean it just really sounded like it must have been fun to do fun to participate in and just powerful it um it's powerful um it's it's a process I learned from a, a colleague of mine, Stephen Angel, who has an organization called Drumming for Your Life, and um, so actually he's the co-author on that paper with me. And it's a way of using drumming to help a person get into a physical, emotional, mental state in which they're more available to address their own healing and their own needs. Um, And so there's a regular process of drumming and bringing in um, feelings, bringing in experiences from a person's uh, past that have to do with what's going on in their lives right now, different ways of encouraging. The other thing that the, the drumming process does, it helps people get out of their heads. Mm. And it's a very powerful, I, 
I did a, a participated uh, in doing a training for a couple hundred physicians and medical professionals in Mexico. Um, and um, it, it was, I did, I did the drumming, a drumming journey with the 200 in the audience all, all at the same time. And it was very powerful. Oh, I can only imagine. And if, if they're if they're if they're physicians like like us in the states, they're pretty buttoned up, and that would have probably been really helpful. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, it. yeah. So it's great. It's a way to help people get out of their head into their bodies. Mm, beautiful. So, uh, you're you've got a book coming out. You're doing this uh, amazing work with executives. I'm sure you're you're up to um, a lot of other cool projects continuing to conduct research what are you what are you up to these days well I, what i alluded to with you a moment ago is what i'm very interested in which is to look at the correlation between resilience as i've defined it mm -hmm. with my nine pillars yeah. and the aging process and longevity yes. do we really do we see a correlation do the people who are more resilient do they show the slowest rate of aging. So um, it, it sort of is my sense of how resilience is the definition of optimal functioning. And if we are functioning optimally, does that get reflected in how slow we age? So that's one of the things um, I will be, and I will be launching my book in January, which is a good time because my new book um, every day gives another step that a person can take toward their resilience. So it weaves my nine pillars throughout daily steps people can engage in to improve and uh, develop higher levels of resilience. That's fascinating. Gosh, you know, I'm thinking about we're, we're going to have a, a, a physician guided younger you program. So using the diet and lifestyle intervention in, in my work, it would be really cool to layer in you know the the resilience training oh, that you're doing we need to talk look at about them together that. yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah oh, it's, it's just so fascinating and i'm thrilled that you're inspired to look at bioage i thought i think yeah you're I, absolutely you're onto something and it would be so cool to partner right we're gonna have all of dr sidorov's contact information linked to his site his programs everything send us what you want us to post on and and, and we'll put it on our show notes Great. and um i am so thrilled that we had a chance to meet your work is fascinating uh, revolutionary. I want to ask you if there's anything that I missed. Was there any area that you wanted to talk about something inspirational that um, I didn't ping you on in questions and just <laughs> give you a, a few moments here? Hmm. First of all, uh, you've been a great interviewer because you've been comprehensive in how you've touched on just about everything. Um, let let's see. I, I think I think we've we've covered <laughs> we've really covered it. Um, I'm really interested um, as as I engage more in this field of longevity. Really interested in bringing the mind and mental health into that equation. Oh yes. Um, I I think it's so important, and um, I am actually engaged in a in preparing a, a summit on 
body and mind longevity with my dear friend and, and colleague, Dr. Robert Lufkin. Oh, good. Who you, who you know. Yes. Um, and so, yes, I'm very interested in bringing more of the mental and mind into the equation here. Beautiful. It's absolutely essential. Yeah. Um, and and I, I just, your work is so important and I'm thrilled to be able to have the opportunity to bring it to my audience here on New Frontiers. Dr. Sidoroff, thank you so much for joining me today. You're, you're welcome. I appreciate it. And uh, I've enjoyed speaking with you. As always, thank you for listening to New Frontiers in Functional Medicine, where our sponsors help bring the very best minds in functional medicine, and today is no exception. Not everyone can be a sponsor on my platform, and I so appreciate the good work, the relentless research, and the generous support from my friends at Biotics and Integrative Therapeutics. These are brands I know and trust in my own clinic and can confidently recommend them to you. Visit them at bioticsresearch.com and integrativepro.com, and please tell them you learned about them on New Frontiers. If it's not too much to ask, I would appreciate a thumbs up and a kind review wherever you're listening to New Frontiers. Thanks.